Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robots Radio presents You're listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters To those curious about D&D To learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And we are going to talk about the famous and very popular drow ranger known as Dritz Duarden. We've yes. covered him before. Uh, we did like a well, one episode sort of primer on the mm-hmm. fella. And we decided that it's not enough. That's not enough, Mary. No, we need more. We need we need mass. And so uh, we are reading the books. We are reading. There are 30 plus novels uh, in the Legend of Dritz like, saga. He's a uh, busy guy. He's He's been around for a while. He's been around for a while. He's he's uh, seen a million faces. And by gosh, he's rocked them all. Uh, in fact, that's where Bon Jovi got the idea. He's like, hey, Dr- like, he's like, Dritz, can I use that? And Dritz yeah. is such a sweetheart. He's like, of course you can. Uh, John Bond, of course you can. He'll want to um, help out a bard any day. <laughs> exactly, he's like some of my best friends are bards, and and I, I and some of my best friends are from New Jersey. So absolutely. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, we're reading the books. We've already covered the uh, the first three uh, in the series, and now we're going to cover the the second three, which is known mm-hmm. as the Icewind Dale trilogy. Uh, and these are actually these three are actually the first that were published. So the the first three that we covered the the Dark Elf trilogy, mm-hmm. those came after the fact. Those were sort of prequels to this series, and sort of filled in the gaps because uh, initially uh, Dritz wasn't supposed to be the the main character of this mm-hmm. story. Uh, it was really supposed to be Wolfgar. Well, of course, this uh, you know, Conan, the Sumerian type barbarian, and he, and he was really supposed to be, um, more or less the the main character, like the the draw of these books, uh, but the mm-hmm. the character of Dritz proved to be you know so influential and and so intriguing that you know over the course of this trilogy he kind of he kind of took over and then obviously has become 
you know, very much so like mm-hmm. one of the icons of D&D. Right. So let's just jump into the the plot and the lore of these books. The first one of which is the Crystal Shard. So this adventure starts off with a demon named Ertu seeking out this ancient artifact that he calls Krishinabon. It's an artifact that was crafted from the evil magic of seven liches. And the and this demon, Urtu, is absolutely sure that this ha- like having this artifact in his possession will allow him to rise to power, which, you know, mm-hmm. pretty typical, right? Like, you know, like, uh, like villain's going to villain. They're going to try to find, you know, something that will yeah. help them, you know. Leverage. Uh, proceed into villainy. Mm. Oh, so. yes. Proceed into villainy. So the, the crystal shard, as what it's also known as, which is right. how the book gets its name, mm-hmm. it, ha- it's, uh, it has sentience of its own and also the ability to lend power to its wielder uh, to make these like sort of tower sanctuaries in the likeness of itself. So kind of like these like like uh, crystal like um, like fortresses mm-hmm. uh, as well as kind of like, you know, um, sort of insinuate itself into the minds of others including that of its wielder so it's very much uh like god's bane and mm-hmm. uh, you know and the syric episodes that we just covered yes and so it's uh Krishinabon, the crystal shard it's hidden amidst the snow of the spine of the world and it simply waits to be found by someone so that's kind of like the prologue of the story and it also sounds delicious Cinnabon, a, a, oh man! Imagine like a D and D Cinnabon crossover. I would. Like, like, I would I mean, go get one. It has to have some kind of look. Wizards, sugary, you want, crystally you wanna, stuff on top. Look, wizards, you want to, you know, get money out of the fan base. There's. Let me there's make puns for you and help you come million, up with ideas. Million dollar idea right there. Mm, the Cinnabon. Cinnabon right now. Um, so when we last left Dritz Duarden, uh, he had managed to find a home in Tin Towns, which is yes. that sort of loose confederation of frontier villages that's found in the western frozen far. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, even in the like remote, far northern regions of Icewind Dale, this renegade dark elf ranger is still not fully accepted, you know, because mm-hmm. he is a drow. Um, yep. Except by the dwarves that who he has, who have, you know, he's eventually befriended. They the dwarves, oh, are, you know, very like uh, stoic and uh, you know, very logical people. They're like, okay, like we don't uh, like trust you. We don't like you. We don't like elves to begin with. You know, much left, much less like you know, dark elves. But I mean, he proves himself, and they're like, okay, like you know, very very logical in that way. Like, okay, we have we have beliefs. Okay, now we have evidence that you know contradicts those beliefs now we will shift our beliefs based on this evidence right can't help right, can't right. help but respect dwarves for that this is true this is true i've 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 learned a thing i've reevaluated my stance right let's move forward so to you know to either prove himself to the denizens or you know simply to repay them for allowing him to stay or you know probably a little bit of both uh dritz you know roams the tundra he hunts down yetis giants other creatures mm-hmm. that you know might threaten the the the, the towns and the in this in the town folk mm-hmm. so when the day when the icewind dale's native barbarians band together to conquer and slaughter slaughter the people of tin towns whom they view as invaders dritz uh you know with his drow stealth and ranger's knowledge of the terrain figures out what their plan is and then relays that information to his friends 
who are the halfling Regis, who has settled in Ten Towns in hopes that a certain guildmaster of you know the Thieves Guild and the Assassins mm-hmm, Guild mm-hmm. won't find him. That plays that that comes into uh that comes into play later on in the trilogy. Ooh. As well as Bruner Battlehammer, uh, who is the dwarven adopted father of Cadbury, who uh and Bruner longs to someday return to his childhood home of Mithril Hall. Again, something that will play into uh the plot further on in the trilogy. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing, yes. Uh so Regis, he's on the council of Ten Towns. Uh, he uses, you know, his uh, halfling sort of persuasion, of, you know, natural halfling persuasion abilities, mm-hmm. plus this uh, magical hypnotic ruby pendant, uh, one that he had stolen from the aforementioned guildmaster, and mm-hmm. is exactly why he's on the run from aforementioned guildmaster. Right, that might be playing into it a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, a little, a little bit. bit. Uh, they're able, he's able to convince the stubborn leaders of the towns to work together to thwart this barbarian attack. Okay. And because of the warning and because of their, you know, unified, united efforts, 10 towns and the dwarves successfully repel the barbarian attackers with Dritz personally meeting the barbarian king, Hifstag, in combat. And Dritz manages to wound Hifstag many times uh, including stabbing him in the stomach, something that normally would have been a fatal blow to, I guess, I mean, it's like a norm, like me or you, like, you know, like stab me in the belly. I'm like, I'm regular done. guy. Yeah, I'm like, done. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for all the shoes. I'm out of here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but the king manages to survive and escape after wounding Dritz himself. So then, mm-hmm. meanwhile, Bruner. Maybe that's clashed- why he's king. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you like, he's like, hey, that guy can get stabbed in the belly and not die. Make him king. What a crowd on his head. Yes, that's I'm sure that's how they did it. I mean, it makes sense, really. When you think about it, who else is fit to be king? (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, Bruner is clashing with this uh, young barbarian standard bearer who uh, who breaks the shield, who breaks the shaft of his banner over the dwarf's head to no effect. Uh, you know dwarves uh uh, which is then followed by bruner slamming the youth with his shield which renders the youth unconscious and so after the battle uh bruner ends up saving him from being killed in cold blood by the townspeople you know like essentially you know he's knocked out he's still left all the bar all the barbarians have either you know uh been run off or been killed and so the townspeople they want some blood uh but bruner saves him from that fate and instead okay. uh, takes in the young man, whose name is Wolfgar, son of Bjornagar, into his care. Which is uh, something that, you know, uh, Bruner, uh, Bruner has done before, you know, with Caterbury. You know, mm-hmm. his adopted daughter is a human girl whose parents die, and, and Bruner took took her in. Right, it's not their fault. They're not at fault for the mistakes of their parents. Right, and so, you know, Bruner is very gruff, but has a, has a heart of gold. I like it. He also defends the wounded and unconscious Dritz. You know, slamming one of the uh, Ten Towns councilmen and and his own lieutenant. So, like, you know, the, this guy is his lieutenant plus one of the councilmen. Uh, slams him to the ground and breaks his nose Ooh. when he finds him kicking Dritz while he's literally down. Like, he's, like, knocked out from his battle with Hifstag. And right. this jerk is, like... Taking know, a shot because that's know. the only way he'd get a shot in. And so Bruner, like, you know, puts him in his place. Good. And tells him, like, look, if it had not been for Dritz Duarden, like, we'd probably all be dead. You know, we wouldn't have the warning that we had. 
you know, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have been able to prepare for this onslaught. Absolutely. And people, you know, see like, you know, they respect Bruner and that grants grits a measure of acceptance and respect in Icewind Dale. And so five years pass, Wolfgar has still, you know, has been indentured to the dwarves and Bruner in, uh, in particular. And, you know, Bruner has taught him how to smith, how to mine. And mm-hmm. like I said, you know, he's got a heart of gold. He comes to love him like a son. And although uh, Wolfgar initially resents the dwarves, you know, and, you know, all the work that he has to do. Right. You know, his hard feelings against Bruner, you know, who forced him to live amongst, you know, these dwarves and work for him and work for them. Right. You know, they're slowly replaced by affection and fondness because, you know, uh, Wolfgar, his father had passed away. And so, you know, Wolfgar kind of sees Bruner as sort of a father figure because, you know, yeah. Bruner is tough, but fair. You know, like I said, he's he's very yeah. gruff, got the heart of gold. He, you know, he will make sure that you are taken care of if you if you know, you're under his care. Right. But you got to got to do your part, too. You got to put a little bit of work in, you know, no, yeah, you know, no such thing as a free lunch. Mm. If only parenting were that easy. Gosh, that's true. <laughs> It's exhausting. And so near the end of Wolfgar's like indentured indenture, uh, Bruner forges Aegis Fang, which is this magical warhammer for his adopted son. That is a beautiful name. Yeah, Aegis Fang is fantastic. And it it acts a lot like uh Milnir from Thor. Like it'll come back <sighs> to Wolfgar. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And it's like the way it's described is so cool. Like talked about how like dwarves will spend their entire lives you know and their entire skill and you know maybe like the stars will align and and Moradin will shine down on them Mm -hmm. just one time and they'll be able to craft like a weapon such as this and so yeah it's very cool it's very very touching moment when he gives it to Wolfgar I like that I like that kind of depth to all the aspects of things though it's why we're here Oh yeah, doing this nerd stuff. <laughs> doing, doing the deep dives. Doing the deep dives. So then he takes Wolfgar to be trained in the ways of battle, choosing Dritz as the young man's instructor. Um, but of course, you know, being a drow, uh, Wolfgar is a bit, you know, um, unsure about it, but quickly comes to yeah. respect and admire Dritz. And of course, Dritz, being the you know formidable warrior that he right. is, he turns the young man into a formidable warrior himself. And so during this time, there is a failed wizard by the name of Akar Kessel, and he is being manipulated into killing his mentor, the wizard Morkai the Red. But then he himself is betrayed by the person that, you know, convinced him to betray. Right. And he's left to die in the frozen snows of the spine of the world by those who had exploited him. And there he finds the delicious, tasty Krenshinabon. Mm. or does it find him you remember the you know the oh uh, they got a will of their own the crystal yeah the crystal shard has some sentience and the artifact gives him the power to survive and to build a tower which he calls crystal uh crystal tirith okay so the power lusting relic you know quote unquote guides kessel's mind through dreams Mm -hmm. toward greater goals like the conquest of 10 towns and Kessel, with these newfound powers, uh, yet oblivious to the manipulation, begins to gather allies. He enslaves uh, goblins and orcs from the nearby mountains, 
and even manages to convince Hefstag, the you know the aforementioned belly stabbed uh, barbarian, <laughs> and and through him like all the other tribes of barbarians, and he builds his own army, and, you know, and their wills are completely destroyed by Krenshinabon. Uh, and he also happens to acquire the services of a certain demon named Urtu to be his general, you know. But as we heard from the top of the show, this demon has you know more interest in obtaining Krenshinabon for himself than serving some failed wizard. Right. But the demon doesn't want to act against the relic's will, though, so he kind of just plays it cool and chooses to serve Kessel till the time is right. Well, gotta do what you gotta do. At this point, uh. Kessel begins making his move toward Tinstown, uh, Ten Towns, by sending a company of giants instead of more the more reliable humans, as suggested by Crunchinabon, to Kelvin's Karn to set up a base in secrecy. So, already, like even though you know it's Crunchinabon isn't going to make you do anything, but it's going you know you'll you'll be highly suggested to do so. Right. And so, but at the same time, Akar Kessel is thinking like, look at everything that I've done. I've you know, I've forming this army. I'm going to take over 10 towns. He's thinking like, this is a result of his own, you know, power. Doesn't realize. Ugh. And so, you know, the crystal shard tells him like, hey, like send some, send some humans to, you know, set up this base. He's like, no, I'm going to send giants instead, which was a mistake because yeah. these bloodlusting Verbeek giants become restless. Mm-hmm. And instead, instead of staying hidden in the cave, they start to organize small raiding parties you know, one of which ends up killing two of the dwarves of uh, Bruner's clan. And so that automatically raises, like, you know, flags in 10 towns, at mm-hmm. least for, for Bruner and for Dritz. You done messed up. <laughs> you done goofed. So upon stumbling onto the signs of the battle, Dritz and Wolfgar, along with Dritz's magical Black Panther companion, Gwen Iver, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they clear out the entire lair of Verbeek giants, which, you know, they're the smallest of the giant species. They're only 10 feet tall. Only? They're little, they're little babies. They're, they're only Verbeek. They're, they're, they're just only 10 I, feet. I assure you, they were at least three times the size of the paladin that I was using when we faced them. They're Verbeek. They're very big. Uh, and so they also become aware of the, you know, the other uh, the approaching army, you know, the with the the right. orcs and the goblins and the barbarians. Mm-hmm. And they learn about their hidden base from a surviving orc along with the incoming reinforcements. So together with Bruner, they come up with a plan to face this new menace. And it's very okay. similar to the one that they enacted five years prior, you know, oh. when Dress found out about the barbarian horde that were going to attack Ten Towns. Mm-hmm. And you know they decided to unify and were able to repel that attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this time they're like, nah, we're fine. Like, like you know, uh, we're gonna, you know, we did it before. We, you know, we can do it again. Not a big deal. And so some of these settlements are left completely on their own. Meanwhile, Wolfgar and Dritz, the they leave to hunt down a white dragon. And this is this is a name. This is quite a name. In yeah. Guloka Stima Zillion. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. In uh, Guloka Stima <laughs> Zillion, uh, more commonly known as Icing Death. That's... So, yep. Uh, I mean, I could see that, like, you know, the teacher reading off their name. It's like, you you could just call me here, present. Uh, you could just call me Icing Death. <laughs> uh, and so Wolfgar, Wolfgar and Ritz uh, find the dragon, slay the dragon. Hmm. 
and the ranger finds a scimitar in the treasure hoard and claims it for his own and you know and names it after the dragon name so names this new scimitar icing death it's a good name Wolfgar then takes the horns of Icing Death and uses those to challenge Hefstag for kingship. And he wins the challenge by killing the old king. So very, very traditional sort of like barbarian culture. He's like here, like, you know, I like he has a claim to it, you know, based on because of his father. But Mm -hmm. then he has like, you know, this like, you know, this tangible like this is what I have done. Like I have killed this dragon. Like I challenge you. Uh, and yeah, it, he uses Aegis Fang to defeat him. Beautiful. So Dritz returns to Ten Towns, which is now under siege by Kessel's army. Dritz, you know, he senses the demon Urtu and recognizes him from his from Dritz's days of living in the drow city of Menzo Berenzen. Oh. And he calls the demon out and faces it alone with Gwen Ivor. So Dritz learns from the from the demon about the existence of the delicious Krenshin upon. I, I would never not think about like this, you know, ru- like, I don't know, I guess like crystal, like Ruby crystal. Um, now it's always going to look like a cinnamon roll to me. <laughs> I'm just picturing it as like a giant rock. That's kind of shaped cinnamon roll esque and has like crystals on top instead of icing. Oh, that's, that's very delicious. It's sounds tasty. And so Dritz is able to like learn about the existence of the crystal shard uh, because mm-hmm. Urtu's like, oh, a drow, like that, he's my homie. Like drows, we're both bad, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Urtu quickly becomes aware of uh, Dritz's true nature of a good guy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hero. And so like with the, the other drow, nah, I'm not like the other drow. Uh, with the aid of his new scimitar, Icing Death, with which has fire banishing properties. He manages to defeat Urtu, banishing it into the abyss for 100 years, which is awesome because that immediately like sets up like a sequel, you know, that takes place 100 years in the future. That means this guy's Urtu's got 100 years to plan. Yeah, to plot. Exactly. And plot against you, sir. And so the leader of Bryn Shander decides to send Regis to meet Akar Kessel. But mm-hmm. Regis only manages to buy the people of Ten Towns just a little bit of time before being captured. Yeah. And so Dritz and Gwen Ivor, after defeating Urtu, find their way to Crystal Tirith, uh, Tirith, which is the, you know, crystal fortress headquarters of Akar Kessel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they fight past, you know, the orcs and the troll guards to face the wizard himself. And Akar Kessel, sure of victory, imprisons the drow in a cage of magical light and taunts him with images of the barbarians joining the battle for 10 towns, thinking that Hefstag is still leading them. Uh, but the old okey-doke, Wolfgar, now leads his people. Yeah. And it's not against 10 towns, but against Kessel and his army. And so with the help of Regis, you know, who's also a prisoner in the tower, Dritz mm-hmm. escapes his cage and follows Kessel through a portal to the top of the mountain. And there, after a short battle... The magical heat of Krenshinaban destabilizes the snow cap and an avalanche kills Kessel and takes Dritz back down the mountain. So you took it out of the pan when it was too hot and you destabilized the snow cap. <laughs> to the best of us. <laughs> best of us. You just couldn't wait. Uh, took it out of the pan too Let soon. it cool down. Just let, let it, it cool, cool down. Let it cool down a minute. Uh, Krenshinaban is buried under the avalanche and blocked from the light of the sun, which is its power source. 
as well as being weakened by uh, you know Regis destroying Crystal Tirith. Right. It loses its control over the remaining orcs and goblins who end up getting slaughtered by uh, by the people of Ten Towns and the Barbarians. So Ten Towns is saved! Huzzah! There's blood everywhere. But Bruner, our favorite gruff dwarf with the heart of gold, appears no! to be mortally wounded. No, I don't like it. Dritz comes to the comfort of his closest friend and what seems to be Bruner's final moments. Is it the elf? Bruner gasped when he saw the dark form over him. I have come, dearest of friends, Dritz replied. To see me on me way? Dritz couldn't honestly answer so blunt a question. On your way? He forced a laugh from his constricting throat. You have suffered worse. I'll hear no talk of dying. Who then would find Mithril Hall? Ah, my home, Bruner settled back at the name and seemed to relax almost as if he felt that his dreams would carry him through the dark journey before him. You're to come with me, then. Of course, Dritz agreed. He looked to Wolfgar and Caterbury for support, but lost in their own grief, they kept their eyes averted. But not now, no, no, Bruner explained. Wouldn't do with the winter so close, he coughed. <clears throat> in the spring, yes, in the spring. His voice trailed away and his eyes closed. Yes, my friend, Dritz agreed. In the spring, I shall see you to your home in the spring. Bruner's eyes cracked open wide, their deathly gaze washed away by a hint of the old sparkle. He was faking it the whole time. This guy, I love him even more now. Dritz is happy to have been there for his friend's final moments, but he's confused by Wolfgar and Caterbury's like smiling faces. And Bruner shoots up, removing his bandages. There, he roared to the amusement of the others in the tent. You've said it, and I have witnesses to the fact. <laughs> I love him even more. And so the party begins their preparations for the journey to Mithril Hall. And that's how the Crystal Shard ends. And so the Streams of Silver book, uh, novel, uh, the second in the Icewind Dale trilogy opens up with the gang starting the quest to reclaim Mithril Hall. Okay. So we've got Bruner Battlehammer, Wolfgar, son of Bjornagar, and even even little Regis, and Dritz, of course, and even little Regis. Uh, although Regis has an ulterior motive for coming along because he catches wind of a dangerous assassin by the name of Artemis Entreri. And mm -hmm. Entreri has been sent by the Thieves Guild leader, Pasha Pook of uh, Kalimshan, nope. to recover... <laughs> what? I wouldn't have been able to say that with a straight face. <laughs> Pasha that tickled Pook. me. Pasha Pook. Pasha Pook. No, 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 that's not a name. <laughs> and to recover the magical ruby that Regis stole from him, uh, I think it was like 10 years prior. And Joe, so just as the companions are setting out, Entreri arrives in Ten Towns, locates mm -hmm. the halfling's now abandoned home, and happens to find Caterbury there. And now, Entreri is a cold-blooded killer. And as competent as Caterbury is, like as tough as she is, like she's still pretty young. Like she's still like, I think at right. this point she's like a teenager still. Uh, and the assassin manages to get the information about Regis out of her. And Trey allows her to live, confident that she wouldn't 
dare interfere with his plans but she's just beside herself with guilt yeah and she goes after her father and friends to warn them and so she hopes to overtake on you know on the way there because you know they've the companions have left and then he's there he's following them so she's hoping to like you know sneak around him yeah uh but he like i say he's a you know world regarded uh assassin he's been at it for a minute he realizes that he's being followed and captures Cadbury again, this time taking her along as a prisoner to use against the companions. Ooh. Meanwhile, the companions reach the town of Luskin. Uh, mm-hmm. They seek out a map of the Northlands to aid in their quest. There, a wizard by the name of Dendibar, the modeled, who is uh, the uh, wizard of from the host tower of the Arcane. And fun fact, mm-hmm. he is the one that convinced Akar Kessel to kill his mentor. And then left him for dead himself. Oh, yeah. So what a what a gem of a guy. And if that was not bad enough, so the, his mentor, um, Morkai the Red, mm-hmm. uh, Dendibar has kept the spirit of this murdered mentor essentially captive, and sort of like you know calls you know brings it forth whenever he you know wants advice or like wants to information. Sure murdered mentor's spirit in your pocket yeah and mordecai is not happy about this because he's essentially like you know he you know it's kind of like uh getting a phone call nowadays like why Mm -hmm. are you calling me like send me a text message this is ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so dendy bar has you know he's heard of the crystal shard and he believes that dritz still possesses it and he plots to take it for his own ends of course and so dendy bar forges an uneasy alliance with Untrary so that they both may achieve their goals. And he sends along his apprentice, Sydney, with Untrary, along with a golem that he's created named Bok and a soldier mm-hmm. named Jirdan. So the companions make their way towards Silver- Silvery Moon and get in various shenanigans, uh, such as encountering barbarian tribes uh, and also the Harples, which is this eccentric wizard family. Uh, in fact, one of the Harples, whose name is Harkle Harple, no. uh, <laughs> reveals to the group, yeah, uh, you know, uh, it's it's he who reveals uh, to this group of villains, you know, Trary and Sydney and the Gollum and Giordan, Uh He reveals to them that the group is headed to Silvery Moon. Okay. And so uh, they also run in. Uh, the companions run into the soldiers of Nesme who react to Dritz with hostility, you know, him being a drow. Mm-hmm. And then again, upon reaching Silvery Moon, Dritz is again shunned, not allowed to enter the city. Uh, but the companions are directed by Lady Illustrial to the Herald's mm-hmm. Holdfast, where they obtain the final clues needed to uh, find the location of Mithril Hall. And so once again, we're seeing, you know, uh, Dritz being the fact that he's a drow is coming into, mm-hmm. is coming into play uh you know he's still you know that it's it's a hard it's a prejudice that you know many many folks refuse to overcome you know uh wolfgar has done it you know bruner has done it uh caterbury was the first to do it and so you know dritz is still uh denied like hospitality from you know the various towns that um that that they're visiting along the way you know, meanwhile, Caterbury has been slowly overcoming her fear of Untrary and begins to play on this volatile relationship that he has uh, with his new allies, especially Girdan. I mean, mm-hmm. 
like Unchary is a very cool character. Uh, he's he's like they he's written almost as like the antithesis of Dritz. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, it's often said that you know Dritz is the drow with a heart, and Unchary is the human who should have been born a drow. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Somebody got the wires crossed. Right. Right. And so, and through this manipulation, like, uh, Cadbury is able to create an opportunity for her to escape as the villains close in on the companions. And what she does is she eventually gets Jardin to uh, believe that Entrary and Sydney will get rid of him once that he's essentially outlived his usefulness. Oh. And so, as a result of this, he uh, Jardin challenges Entrary and ends up getting killed because you know Jirdan is very like you know the 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 fight initially is very even but even Jirdan mm-hmm. knows like I can't you know I can't keep this up for too long like he's gotcha. just too good um and and in fact he's right on ends up stabbing him with his vampiric dagger oh which is awesome it's like it literally like um takes hp from you know the stab the stabby uh-huh. and gives it to the stabber <laughs> It's like a straw for HP. It's like a, it's, that's, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it turns your enemies into Capri Suns. Uh, <laughs> and so after Bruner uh, drinks a potion that's given to him by Lady Illustrial, which allows him to essentially like relive his past and thus remember Mithril Hall's location, Caterbury is reunited with her father and friends and accompanies them all into the ancient Dwarven stronghold. And there they discover that the Duogar who long ago forced Bruner's clan are still there, in fact, working the mines and and doing their thing. Uh, Within the upper chambers of Mithril Hall, Entrary, Sydney, Bach uh, catch up with companions and the two groups clash. Uh, Dritz and Entrary uh, find themselves face to face for the first time, uh, bringing the beginning of a very long running and deadly feud between the two. Ooh. And so the two warriors are very evenly matched in battle and each sees a twisted mirror image of himself and the other. Like I said, Dritz is the drow with the human soul. Entrez is a human who should have been born a drow. Uh, so during this battle, a cave-in separates Dritz and Entrez from everyone else. And they're so they're trapped together deep in this cavernous complex. And so they mm-hmm. have to, they, they're, they're forced to work together to escape. And yeah. this... Frenemy frenemies yeah exactly and so this <laughs> very weird but cool like love hate relationship deepens between them mm-hmm. like you know their resentment of the other's ideology is coupled with respect for one another's prowess like i said it's man they're like the dichotomy between these two characters is so cool hate you but by god i respect exactly no exactly absolutely i love it and so even though he was hired by your favorite favoritely named person, <laughs> Pasha Pook, uh, to bring Regis back to face the consequences of his theft, Entrary can't help himself, but like he has the like he can't he has a need to challenge Dritz for superiority. Like he has to know like that he is the best. And so he ends up stealing Gwen Ivor's statue and uses it to bait Dritz into following him so that they can duel and find out who is the better warrior. Uh, meanwhile, Bruner, Wolfgar, Regis, and Caterbury think that Dritz has died as a result of this cave-in that separated them. And so they continue their quest with heavy hearts. Uh, Bruner also happens to recover Dritz's scimitar, Ooh. Icing Death, uh, 
and straps it to his back. Uh, Bruner decides that they will only scout the upper levels and even begins to doubt the wisdom of trying to take Mithril Hall with, you know, all these Jugger still around. Right. Uh, they find the Hall of Dumathoin recovering the magical bowl, magical bow, uh, Talmaril, mm-hmm. which Academy rena- like calls the Heart Seeker, and it be- later becomes her signature weapon. Uh, just in time, uh, they are you know, uh, and in this time they are then attacked by the Dogger, some Shadow Mastiffs, which is exactly what it sounds like, like giant mastiff dogs, but oh. made of shadows. Uh, I I would still try to get the pets. I would, I would still, try- still I would boop it. Yeah, ten I would, ten. I'd lose my finger. I would. Uh, and then finally, the BBEG in the form of a shadow dragon named Shimmer Gloom, who has made his homes in the depths of Myth- Mithril Hall. So Bruner goes straight Super Saiyan on this <laughs> shadow fell buster. Gotcha. And Bruner straps a barrel of flaming oil to his own back and then jumps on the shadow dragon's back. That's the most dwarven thing i've ever heard in my life and so just like sets it sets this dragon ablaze the ensuing inferno destroys shimmer gloom who crashes into you know the cavernous wall and then falls down into a deep and terrible gorge taking him and bruner down with him and the last thing bruner sees is his drow friend the one that he thought was dead alive and well and but it's only because of Bruner's heroic sacrifice that the dragon is slain and his friends survive mm. and it's also during this climactic battle scene uh, that Sydney and Caterbury face off Sydney is killed by Caterbury and mm-hmm. Bach the, fe- the flesh golem is also destroyed like during like the, all the during the whole like you know kerfuffle I uh, knew you were gonna say kerfuffle <laughs> shortly afterwards Dritz is reunited with his friends Although Entreri takes advantage of the situation to finally capture Regis and make his escape, taunting Dritz to follow him. And so this story ends, or this novel ends, with Caterbury making arrangements to fulfill her father's lifelong dream for Clan Battlehammer to reclaim the hall. Uh, she enlists the help of Wolfgar's tribe as well as you know other dwarves from other clans. And Dritz and Wolfgar themselves begin their chase to rescue Regis from the clutches of Entreri. And like the last like little like um like sort of like uh, epilogue is Dandibar, the modeled, teleports into Mithril Hall to retrieve Bach and possibly reanimate it. But the spirit of Morkai the Red, the murdered mentor of Akar Kessel, who Dandibar has been keeping captive essentially enters the corpse of the flesh golem and uses it to choke the evil wizard to death. This is beautiful. It's pretty great. Meanwhile, at the bottom of a deep and terrible gorge, as the fire of the burning dragon has died to a smoky smolder, another rock shifted and rolled away. (gasps) That's how the book ends. That is beautiful. I love it. Imagine reading Streams of Silver when it came and out having to and, and yeah in 1989 and then having to wait until the halfling gems comes out ah oh! oh my gosh so that's those are the first two books we're going to jump to the middle of the show really quickly yep. and then we'll be back with the halfling's gem to finish off the icewind dale trilogy
welcome to the middle of the show. We're going to make this one as lean and mean as possible because we've got it's this is a chonker of an episode. We're talking it's about true. we're talking about the Icewind Dale trilogy and mm-hmm, uh, it's mm-hmm. uh, it, it's about an hour and a half. So this is a, this is a supersized episode of the D&D lore cast. So let's uh, let's do what uh, let's do what we do really quick. Uh, like Mary, who sure. should we who do we need to thank? We need to thank our patrons. Got to thank patrons. You guys uh, make everything that we do possible. Um, your continued support is absolutely pivotal to what we do, and we super appreciate it. But this week, I'm going to do a little shout out to a couple of new patrons. A little personalized shout out. A little personalized shout outs because you guys have joined us really recently. So I want to say thank you to Adam O'Neill. And also thank you, Jonathan Napick, for signing up for Patreon. Welcome aboard and enjoy all of the amazing extra stuff you get. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to join those two cool cats in supporting the D&D Lorecast in that way, you can go to patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast. We have all sorts of fun tiers. You get free stickers. You get uh, all the bonus content, including the Uh Patreon Plus installments, uh, the bonus episodes. Um, You can also get uh, free D&D Lorecast merch, as well as uh, having myself or Mary uh, be a part of your... uh, a home campaign oh for one session <laughs> or we yes. will dm a game for you and you, and your friends or family or coworkers, or whoever mm-hmm. it may be mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. lots of lots of cool stuff that we feel like we built the patreon thinking like you know if we were uh like based kind of like we kind of like basically stole ideas from like other patreons that we it's that true we, that uh, it's we just kind of like what would i want right. to get out of this and like, we'll just go from there <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, I love that this Patreon that you know mm-hmm. this content creator does this. We'll just steal that idea, a borrow, uh, oh, pay an homage, inspired by, inspired by other patron patreons that we <laughs> love and enjoy. Uh, but yeah, if you want to um, support the show in other ways, you can definitely do that. You can leave five star reviews on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Mm-hmm. You can uh, uh, follow us on all the social medias, the TikToks and the Twitters and the Instagrams. Everywhere we are, DND Lorecast. So if, uh, if you want to find us, you know, you'll probably find us there. And then, of course, the Robots Radio Network Discord. We're always uh, we've got our own text channel there. We're always typing stuff. We're always sending memes. We're always um, mm-hmm. posting all art. things D&D, all, all things, things D&D. D&D. It's, it's a nonstop shop for D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, uh, speaking of shopping for D&D, <gasps> uh, it's been it's been announced for a while. It's been announced like last year, but we are <gasps> just now getting the pre-order started. <clears throat> for keys from the golden vault this is uh this is the official new book coming out later this month it's uh 11 uh advent there are 13 adventures designed for character levels one through 11 uh they're all they're all heist built they're all love heists i do i got such a such a soft spot in my heart for them they're uh you can do your best danny ocean impersonation your best ethan hunt impersonation but uh-huh. more than likely um you know like and we and i discussed this with a newbie dm on twitter uh more likely our party is going to be more like the great muppet caper uh, uh you know we're gonna shoot for like cool like suave oceans uh-huh, 11 uh-huh, or uh-huh. you know like high tech gadgets and badassery like mission impossible mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's it's just gonna be zaniness and puns yeah like kermit yeah. and fozzy yeah that's, that's... that sounds that sounds pretty on brand and, but I love it. Nonetheless, <laughs> I love it. But yeah, you can uh, pre-order that 
uh, anywhere uh, that you know uh, that you can buy the D and D books. Uh, yep. your friendly local gaming store, your um, your larger brick and mortars, or your mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. online retailers. You can also go to D&D Beyond and pre-order a bundle that includes a physical copy plus a copy on d like the digital copy on D&D Beyond. I do love having both. That digital copy is the easiest thing for me to transport. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 the, it's the best of both worlds. You get the, really you know, the, the, the tangible book you know, physical book that I, that I love so much, but also the, mm-hmm. uh, that I'll never, I'll, I will, I will go to my grave, uh, bury, bury, bury me with all of my tabletop role-playing books. Oh no, you're going to get buried by all your tabletop role-playing no, books. No, did I say bury me with, I say I'm going to be buried uh, by. Like the yeah, that's, that's how it's going to go down. You're going to be an old man and be like, worth like, it i'll be like oh and let that'll me, be the last thing let me get that advanced dungeons and dragons box set of menzo barons and off the top shelf oh lordy and then yeah I, and then the bookshelf falls on top of me and then and then i die and then uh oh, people God, and then yeah. uh, then my cats eat me uh, <laughs> So yeah, if you are interested in getting uh getting your copy on those heist adventures, yes. definitely um uh, head over to D&D Beyond to get that bundle or like I said you can buy it from your friendly local gaming store or any other retailer. Oh, for sure. And for the DMs Guild corner of the week, since we are talking about the Icewind Dale trilogy, I looked mm. on I looked on the old DMs Guild to see what we could find and I found something pretty dang cool. It is called the player primer Icewind Dale, and this is actually a uh, this is part of a series. They've got oh. uh, for all like most of the favorite room, they got Moonshale Isles, mm-hmm. uh, they've got Kalimshan, uh, but the player primer for Icewind Dale. Discover the wonders of Faerun's frozen tundra with player primer Icewind Dale. This supplement contains all the information DMs and players will need to jump into a Dungeons and Dragons adventure set in Icewind Dale, including life in Icewind Dale. Important story events, regions and settlements of Icewind Dale, factions of the region, new and adapted backgrounds, and a character chronicle to build characters firmly grounded in Icewind Dale. Uh, It is adapted, the character chronicle is adapted from the heroic chronicle that is found Mm -hmm. in the Explorer's Guide to Weldamount. It's Mm -hmm. a system of creator creation that helps uh, character creation that helps players create characters with strong ties to the region, which includes oh. goals, uh, goals, secrets, even favorite foods. So very cool, like way to personalize your player yeah. character for that region. Uh, if you are perhaps running uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden or some other adventure or campaign that, you know, is is grounded or takes place in Icewind Dale. Yeah. Yeah. And it also, like I said, it's part of a series. We'll link to um, we'll link to Player Primer Icewind Dale in the show notes, and from there you'll be able to find all the rest of the uh, oh, yeah. all the rest of the entries. And they also have a cool adventure called Song of the Mountain, which is a, an adventure designed for level one characters to be introduced to the region, complete with hooks to continue a campaign. And oh, so cool. yeah, and so you can like bundle them all together, Love get that. a get a discount. So yeah, very cool. And you can have uh, all that all of um, Player Primer Icewind Dale. For only mm-hmm. four ninety five. I mean, Ooh. if you can give me some awesome homebrew content for less than five bucks, I'm a ha- I'm a happy guy, happy yeah. camper. Well, that about wraps it up for the middle of the show. Let's jump right back into and talk the halfling's gem. Yes, let's go. Ah! Welcome back. 
we're going to finish off the episode and talk about the Halfling's Gem, which is the third book in the Icewind Dale trilogy. So, so yes. far, uh, we've had um, uh, we've had dragons, we've mm-hmm. had uh, giants, we've had um, you know evil wizards, we've had demons. You know, what else could Ari Salvatore throw our way? Uh, well, quite a bit. I think uh, the, the the trilogy ends very well. It's a very uh, it's a very fitting end, and it's mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a lot of fun. So it's uh it starts off with uh, Dritz Duarden and Wolfgar on their way to catch up with the assassin Artemis Entreri, who mm-hmm. has not only captured Regis, you know, securing the halfling for Pasha Pook, who again is the thieves guild master uh, up in Cal- or down in Calimport. Uh, mm-hmm. But also the onyx figurine that calls forth Guinevar uh, or Gwenhyver from the astral plane. So first they visit uh, Malcor Harple, who gives them uh, all sorts of equipment and some advice uh, due to the guilt that he feels for inadvertently giving away their location to uh, Arncheri during the events of Streams of Silver. And then later okay. on... They defeat a banshee by the name of Agatha to retrieve a magical mask. Now, this mask mm-hmm. has the power to present Dritz as like a normal elf or human as opposed to the drow that he is. So he's able to sort of, um, you know, hide in plain sight, as it were. Right. Meanwhile, we find out that a good dwarf is hard to kill and there is no gooder dwarf than <gasps> Bruner Battlehammer. Yes. Not dead, of course. Uh, Woo! But he was, uh, Bruner was unaware that he was protected by Icing Death's flame resistant magical properties, and that when he jumped onto the back of Shimmer Gloom, he survived the fall and the, or he survived the fire uh, due to mm-hmm. you know, having a hold of Dritz's scimitar. So, having survived the fall alongside the oh. dragon, uh, Bruner, tr- he tries. Uh, and but he ultimately fa- failed. I mean, he's still a, a you know a, a clunky dwarf. Right. You sneak past the uh, dwarger, and so he ends up like fighting like dozens of them, uh, and killing them as he like makes his way, tries to make his way back to the surface. And it's actually pretty cool. Like this sort of like urban legend slash like ghost story, uh, like mm-hmm. evolves like very quickly amongst Ooh. like the the dwarger. Like you know like uh, there's something out there. Like you know like I don't know what it is. It might be Shimmer Gloom's ghost or, uh, because you know like. Like a bunch of them are like going out to patrol or going out to mine and not coming back. Ooh, so he's it. able to take those out, but unfortunately, uh, much like in uh, the Lord of the Rings, a giant spider bests our dwarf, Aww. and uh, he's left for dead after being poisoned. However, Lady Illustrial finds the poisoned and near dead dwarf and heals him back to health, and then reunites him with his dear Cadbury. Oh, love this. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's like it's a great story. It's so good. Uh, once on the mend, uh, Bruner is insistent on catching up with Dritz and Wolfgar to aid them in saving Regis. But he bids right. one more favor of Illustrial. Uh, you know, and it could it could be like, hey, like you know, I just you know spent like you know uh, a week in the mines. Can I borrow like ten bucks? Uh, it's right. you know, could I like you know get a ride? Uh, there he, he asked, like, "Can I get one of those flying, flaming chariots that um that I've seen around that I've heard about?" <laughs> and that's so, the tiniest ask ever. Why that's practically nothing. I mean, if someone were to ask me for, I mean, I'd be like, "That's that's it." I mean, I could okay, sure. I mean, I mean, yeah, I absolutely, you can have this 
flying flaming chariot. But no, you cannot borrow my pin. This is my favorite one. This is my favorite pin, and people steal pins. I'm not saying you it's would, true. but I've had I I've been burned in the past. Oh, I wouldn't. I actually took one back to the bank that I stole from them on accident because I'm that person. How far away were you? It was just the next time I went through. I held on to it and waited. And you're like, oh, hey, by the way, this is yours. And they're like, what? Like a week later, I just put it into the thing and left. No, I didn't tell anybody. I I wish they would have been like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden, like police around your car. (laughs) Yeah, we've been looking for you. Came back to the scene of the crime. Like like every criminal. It's so... Oh, so, so typical. Uh, Anyway, so by this point, (laughs) Dritz and Wolfgar have made their way uh, to Baldur's Gate Mm -hmm. and have gotten gotten themselves on a ship bound for Kalimport, following the clues that Unshrary has left along the way, because he's obsessed with, like, you know, once again, dueling with Dritz and and Mm -hmm. figuring out who who indeed is the better swordsman. Uh, One of those clues uh, came in the shape of one of Regis's severed fingers. Uh, so oh. <laughs> so when you said clues, you didn't mean like blues clues kind of situation. Nope. Nope. Got not, not, not unless blues clues got really dark really quickly. I mean. Yeah, I don't know what's, I don't know the kind of stuff that Steve and Joe got into uh, later know, on man. in the I show. Know. But the episodes I watched, oh, uh, you know, there were no uh, didn't have Regis's fingers. fingers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, one of uh, one of his severed fingers, mm-hmm. and so uh, they get on board of a uh, ship called the Sea Sprite. The captain is mm-hmm. Captain uh, Dudermont, uh, and he's a good man, a fair man, uh, who Dritz comes to hold in high regard. Oh, uh, nice. Uh, Dudermont uh, also comes to respect Dritz after a fight with pirates. Uh, pirates that are led by a certain cad named Pinochet. And these pirates were hired by Pook to get the heroes off of Untrary's trail. And oh, uh, so uh, Dritz comes to get the respect of the captain and the crew uh, when the drow and his barbarian friend, you know, more, more do the, more than their part to save the ship and the crew uh, to, you know, from the pirate attack. And they're also aided by the arriving via flaming flying chariot oh. brooder. And so Canterbury. the answer was yes, you can. Good oh yeah, know. of course. Of course. I mean, like he's like, you know what, when, when a, when a dwarf asks you to borrow a flaming flying chariot uh, to help him, you know, uh, catch up to his barbarian and drow friend so they can save their halfling friend. The answer's got to I mean, be yes. You got to say yes. Yeah. Got to say yes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, during this battle, uh, Dritt's magical mask ends up coming off and he, you know, he's exposed for everyone. And the, the crew sort of freaks out, you know, again, like understandably, it'd be like, um, I mean, I don't know what, like what it would be like in real life. I guess like if it was like a. I mean, I would imagine regardless, learning that the, this other being that you're traveling with this humanoid you're traveling with isn't the one that you thought that they were finding out that part of that was a lie i think it's valid just in general yeah whoa whoa hey whoa and then finding out that it's it's you know some doesn't uh, help that he's a drow right that it's you know someone that who uh has a reputation whose people have Mm -hmm. a reputation for being for being evil um yeah 
and they freak out and they um but you know they sort of like have that realization like oh wait like that you know, I mean, regardless of who he is or what he is like he helps save he our helped. lives mm-hmm. uh and it's a, it's a really like you know cute moment where there's like one in particular was like yeah get off my ship you bloody drag you know like sort of thing yeah and then uh uh you know he's talking to the captain and then and then one of the crew comes in and he was like oh yeah well, you're just thinking like you know you know he fought alongside us and you know anyone who fights alongside us is basically one of us so you know if, if you know you know we're fine with him being here you know just the same and then the one who like was especially like you know kind of crappy to dritz like pops his head he's like I, I, you know, I was just, you know, I was just surprised to see a drought. Like, you know, like I didn't mean nothing by it. I'm sorry. Like, pops his head back up. Oh, good. good like, good. you know, yeah. Like, so, like, you know, overall, yeah. like, you know, like, you know, scared, but, uh, but ultimately, like, good-hearted people, right? Right. Um. So they decide to let Pinochet live. Um. Uh. As that mercy will allow the sea sprite to sail relatively unharmed for the foreseeable future. You know, like they're like pirates have this like weird code and, yeah. you know, you know, it's, you know, we might be scoundrels, but we still follow this, this, this code. But it's, and... They're fair scoundrels. Yeah, exactly. And everything uh, was divided equally. And, uh, and then also like, it'll allow him to like, you know, tell the tale like, Oh, like do like, they're, they're coming and they're, they're pissed. They want their halfling oh. buddy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with that matter settled, the companions of the hall are united once again. Woo-hoo. And uh, none too soon because Antreri has now delivered Regis to Pasha Pook, who is a lover of large predatory felines, it seems, has uh, several of them, um, you know, as uh, I want, I don't want to say like pets because they're kind of just like, you know, like, you know, caged up, you know, it's not like kind of more of a trophy thing. Kind of. Yeah. Pet. Like, you know, like, yeah. uh, like a weird zoo uh sort of thing you know whereas curiosity like my pets um you know any sort of furniture i purchase all of a sudden like oh you bought this for me like you know my dog like the like the little recliner that we bought for the office she's like oh this is Mm -hmm. mine now thank you for oh you got me a chair for the office that's i've been wanting to like sleep in the office the entire time and now now i can thank you so much uh so like the term uh, pet isn't exactly right but he he loves he he loves these large uh these large cats collector and, uh collector yeah sure uh and wants nothing more than to uh physically and oh. emotionally torture the halfling oh <laughs> i mean he's is angry at at regis for for taking this gem because um because you know in andre finds that the guild's different than when he left because in in Andre's time away, without this hypnotic ruby gem that Regis stole, Pook's power begins to wane, begins to slip away from mm. him, and he's almost forced to enter into this agreement with this guild of were rats that are led by uh, a were rat named Rassiter to remain in power. You know, whereas before, like you know, he would have like scoffed at the idea of aligning himself with these creatures, right? And so, you know, aside from just the you know just like i'm a i'm a man of power and uh, you know how dare you disrespect me sort of like aspect of it uh like there is some sort of i guess um like tangible uh loss to pook's um Mm. the pook you know having had had this gem stolen from him Um, and then on trey also you know because pook is such a lover of of predatory felines what you know better predatory feline 
and Gwen Hyver and uh, oh. Ontrary gifts Pook the Onyx figurine that calls forth the the Panther from the astral plane. Mm. And so, you know, Rassiter is uh, a sort of, a, you know, ascended his way into a, a position that's almost like, you know, where an Ontrary was before he left to find Regis. And there's mm-hmm. absolutely no love loss between the were-rat and the assassin. And immediately each of them begins like sort of making moves and plans to like get rid of the other permanently. Right. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. Like, uh, one point, like it's just so it's like it's great because like Ontario is not a good guy, but you're like, but you're like, but I don't want Raster to win either. <laughs> like I'd rather Ontrary, um be the the bad guy than Raster, which I guess because oh. that makes Raster the I don't know. I, I just think Ontrary is more interesting yeah, think... for, for, for matter. Mm, that makes sense. And so when the companions finally reach uh, Calimport, uh, they yeah. are awarded for making it this far by receiving a second of Regis's severed fingers. Oh, good. So it's the second checkpoint and they're on the right path. Right, exactly. Yep. So oh, they've now it. got two of the little guy's fingers, uh, but he's a survivor. He, you know, he, uh, despite all this, he has survived uh, and then even after Pook summons Gwen Hyver uh, to kill the halfling, you know, he is now he's the you know possessor of the of the figurine. He, you know, he he is now Gwen Hyver's master. Uh, he pleads mm-hmm. with the magical feline to spare him. You know, he's just like, hey, like, I, you remember me? Like, I'm your master, your true master's friend. You know, like, you don't, you know, like, you don't want to do this. Uh, the cat, the cat pounces on him. But instead of the mauling that Regis and Pook are expecting, uh, they uh, both, they being Gwen Hyver and Regis, transport back to the astral plane uh, where Regis is kept relatively safe. You know, he's essentially gone from Pook's uh, torture. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's got to be safer than being directly in the line of <laughs> right. and so the companions, finger removal. Yeah, no, exactly. And so the companions of the hall have to find a way to sneak into Pook's guild, which understandably is like the most guarded building in Calimport, you know, the right. Thieves Guild. Uh, and so they decide to take the sewers, but you do know what lives in sewers, right? I mean, besides Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That was going to be my answer. I so. knew it was. I, as soon as I asked the question, I'm like, it's either this... that or Killer Croc. Those are the two. Those I was are the like, two this chick is going to say Ninja me. Turtles. No, rats. That's true. Oh, rats yeah. Yeah. Live in sewers. And like regular rats? Just boring rats? I mean, also were rats. Oh, in the sewer. And the sewer. To you. And so, and not according to me, according to what happens, because Bruner well. and Caterbury and Wolfgar have to fight a horde of were rats in the sewer. While Dritz, sorry, were rats, were rats. While Dritz finds himself finally once again facing off against Untrary, and so they begin their duel anew. It spills up and out into the streets of Calimport. But it's left unfinished when the wounded Ontrary, who, um, like, you know, is, is starting to get on the losing end, finally figuring out, like, oh, man, like, actually, like, Dritz might actually be the right one. He might be he might be the challenge that I've been looking for my whole life. Um, he's wounded. And so in an effort to escape, he calls out to everyone that Dritz, you know, who has, you know, has been wearing that mask this whole time. You know, he's uh, the mask is taken off. And so his drow appearance is now visible. Mm-hmm. And so on Trey's like, hey, look, everyone, it's a drow. It's a drow. He's he's coming to, he's a scout. He's going to, you know, he's send, he's here. He's going to send the drow army to come take over the city. 
And so the crowd oh sort of surrounds him and Andre mm-hmm. uses that to slip away. Uh, but thankfully, Bruner and Caterbury and Wolfgar, um, I wrote covered, presumably in a wear rat guts. I see that. Yeah, that's beautiful. I would assume as much. I mean, I mean, well. if, if they're just like, you know, just going to town on them inside of a sewer. I mean, they're oh, going to get some They're going to be them. covered. I think the wear rat guts are the least of the concerns if you've been murdering things in the sewer. Right, right. Uh, they come to the rescue of Dreads protecting him from the frightened and angry crowd. Uh, Entreri, you know, uh, injured, runs away. And now the companions uh, join Wolfgar inside of Pook's guild, you know, continuing to fight off uh, the uh, fight off Pasha's wear rat allies. Mm-hmm. And so in an effort to finally rid his master of these heroes, uh, Pook's you know, house wizard, Laval, sends the companions into the terrible Tartarus plain with an evil, powerful, demonic artifact known as the Taros Hoop. So Ooh. the Tartarus, a.k.a. Kar Suri, uh, is an mm-hmm. outer plane in the Great Wheel cosmology model, uh, and it represents the alignments that are between chaotic evil and neutral evil. Uh, it's situated okay. between Hades and the Abyss, and it's a plane of contention between the warring demons and devils. Uh, but few of those interlopers would, you know, could actually challenge the native Demodans that live there. And we will discuss Demodans in the Patron Plus installment of this episode. So, fair folk of the Patreon, keep your eyes and ears peeled for that one. And if you're not signed up at Patreon.com/slash DnD Lorecast and are interested in some bonus content, give it a look-see. Yeah. We're going to be talking Demodans. Um, in the story, they're like, you know, they, um, they're like demon bats and like these like little mm-hmm. like demonic sort of creatures that, um, that make, you know, uh, the, the companions trip there, uh, literally a living hell. Uh, oh, awesome. Perfect. And then, then looking them up, I'm like, oh, they've got uh, like quite a, you know, cool little backstory and lore attached to them. We should mm-hmm. definitely check them out. So Heck yeah, yeah we'll, I'm excited to learn about them. We'll dive deeper in the patron plus installment. Yes. So our heroes uh, try a desperate attempt to break free from the demodans, but Caterbury falls unconscious due to the unrelenting attack, and but they like in the and falls like off of what you know appears to you know you know appears to be like a a cliff like you know like whatever like a cliff oh. would be in Tartarus, um, and everyone thinks like oh no like she's gone, uh, but then they see her like falling from the sky, <laughs> like falling through space. Because the oh. plane is like is circular in nature. And so, oh. but yeah, you know, she doesn't like, you know, fall to her death, but she's still unconscious due to the attack. And just when there seems to be no hope, Regis comes along, uh, taking the one that controls the portal and helping his friends escape. Uh, so they okay. manage to escape thanks to the help of Regis, and they destroy mm-hmm. the the demonic artifact that was keeping them captive. Uh Pook tries to escape himself, but Regis uh sends Gwenhyver after the guildmaster. Beautiful. Uh who I presume is probably delicious. Uh I don't know why, but so I mean if someone's like, you want some Pasha Pook? I'm like, that I don't know what that is, but that sounds good. Okay. It I yeah. Right? You're, you're right. I'm right. When I'm right, I'm right. You're right. Uh, and then meanwhile, the remaining were rats are wiped out by other astral kitties, much like uh Gwenhyver. Uh, that Regis befriended in his time in the astral plane. <laughs> and then once they've had their fill, uh, Regis proclaims himself Guildmaster. He's like, well, I, I guess I'm running the show now. <laughs> I just, I love that Regis is an old cat lady. <laughs> I mean, at this point, yeah. He's like, you know, he's, it makes he's my heart old... happy. Yeah. Uh, 
And so after, you know, far away from the, from the, you know, massacre at the, at the thieves guild uh, headquarters, Andreri and Raster end up meeting, uh, you know, crossing paths mm-hmm. and Andreri starts to, you know, uh, like listen to Raster about, you know, bend his ear about possibly forming an alliance you know the the leader of the were rats and he's like look like i mean like most of my most of my soldiers are have been killed but you know it won't take but a you know fortnight to you know for me to go around and start biting more people and, and getting more soldiers and and Trey's like yeah i like that there's only and it's like oh there's the way it's written uh is on like yeah that sounds like a great idea except there's two problems and Raster is like, what's that? It's like, well, first, and he shoves a knife in Raster's spine <gasps> and says, you've got a knife in your back. Oh. And two, I work alone. It's just beautiful. I'm sure he's such a son of a gun. He's such a rascal. Ah, oh, but that's such a solid villain, though. Like, solid name, too. Fantastic. It's And uh, and begins to, you know, plot his, his vengeance against Stritz. Uh, and so the trilogy ends, the book ends with Dritz, Bruner, Wolfgar, and Caterbury returning uh, back north, uh, winning back Mithril Hall, uh, Bruner's crowned rightful king, taking his place on the throne. And all this is sort of like, you know, told and like sort of like, you know, um, I guess summarized. Yeah. Um, Stone starts to be rebuilt uh, by the barbarians with Wolfgar as their leader and with Caterbury as his new bride. Uh, Dritz Aww. rejoins his friends for the wedding, and even the new Calimport Thieves Guildmaster shows up. Uh, but there's but Regis's old friends know something is up, and the book ends with Dritz proclaiming he is running. Regis, you're always getting into something, aren't you? Just can't leave well enough alone. This guy. Uh, so yeah, so that is the uh, that is the Icewind Dale trilogy. Uh, essentially like, the first uh the first three books uh you know present of the legend of dritz uh saga and it's i mean they're fantastic they're so much fun and it's and it's so it's crazy with the read um the the crystal shard which is you know mm-hmm. fun yarn in and of itself um, right but just the the like the way that ra salvatore you know uh progressed as a writer between mm-hmm. that and the halfling's gem just a few just a, a handful of years later if that yeah. is is remarkable um but it's yeah like, especially streams of silver uh probably the, my favorite of the three it's just the story is written is, is the plot is fantastic it's written really well uh but yeah if you are a fan of of D and mm-hmm. uh want something to read like definitely mm-hmm. you could definitely do worse than these books absolutely and confirm i've read so many worse things <laughs> i have too i have too not nearly as entertaining uh oh, not sure. nearly not nearly enough dragons for my taste yeah yeah i don't know the one i'm reading has a lot of dragons i'm concerned I it mean, might be more dragons than necessary even. i mean it is the year of dragons after all it is it is it gets violent the year of rogue Jeez. dragons at that so. rogue dragons yeah they weren't even just regular ones like, they were uh like in red, a run of the mill like hey like in what's up I'm a dragon. these mm. are dragons mm-hmm. that are like you know got your nose They're like oh, you <laughs> rogue dragon Aww. 
rogue dragon oh you thought i was gonna breathe fire jokes on you well thank it's you so extra much extra hot fire <laughs> it's extra hot uh well, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us at the dungeons and dragons Lorecast here in the tower we're so glad to uh, have you as part of the community uh, join us next week if you'd like. You know, we're we'll, we're always down to talk lore. We're always down to talk D and D. It's true. And uh, we hope that uh, anything that you uh, learned or picked up in today's episode uh, helps you in an adventure, in a campaign, and in anything that you're doing, uh, in uh, in any game that you're that you're playing. Oh, absolutely. My name is Sergio, and I'm Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener, and until we meet again. May all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at dndlorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.